Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good afternoon. It's time again for another uh, episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay, part of Hit the Books HQ and part of the Hammer Network. Uh, great gaming content all across Hit the Books YouTube channel. You can get Condition Powers a couple times a week in addition to us, and you can get uh, great content uh, for all sports uh, over over at um, the Hammer. I, I, I'm Parker Fleming, your host at Stats of War on Twitter, and I have alongside me, uh, as I will, from uh, now, every Tuesday from now until the end of the season, Douglas Farmer, my my co-host. Douglas, how are you today? Parker, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm I'm throwing some technical uh, adjustments here on the fly, and you know what? I'm doing better than Joey Kanish would. If he had to break out a new laptop, the show would not start for another eight minutes. So I'm going to take that small win, give that that dig at our our fellow hit the books HQ content maker, and and then we'll get this rolling. We've got it was a great week of football. We just enjoyed. I don't know how much of Friday night you watched. We can get to that laugh in a little bit, but we should start in the Pac-12, right? If we're going to look back at last week, the highlight was the Pac-12. It was a, a lot of fun in the Pac-12, certainly between Washington and Oregon on that on that weekend uh, afternoon slate and uh, Oregon State, UCLA. A lot of eyes were over there, Notre Dame, USC. Uh, so Pac-12 was responsible for a lot there. That Washington-Oregon game lived up to every bit of the hype. Um, I think we got a push if you had Oregon plus three there, or I suppose if you had Washington minus three, you also had a push on that. Um, Michael Penix is very good. Uh, it looked like he got a little banged up there at the end. I was very impressed that he got the Mariah needs to sing stuff and uh, was able to uh, make it work on that last drive. Very, very impressive showing by both of those teams. Uh, hard not to root to, uh, to see those guys uh, play each other again. That's That's kind of my takeaway. And really this weekend kind of emphasized that. We saw Utah for the last few weeks has looked broken without Cam Rising on offense. USC got exposed. We'll get to that in a minute. Oregon and Washington really separated themselves by playing each other on Saturday. We should – Penix looked banged up, but we should give some credit. I don't want to take too much of a dig at you, Parker. I'm not positive I can run 53 yards in 33 seconds. I'm obviously exaggerating when I say that. They covered 53 yards in two plays in 33 seconds to win that game. And that's that's impressive no matter the situation. Michael Penix, a Heisman moment, whatever you want to call it. It was impressive. The only other part I really want to acknowledge from that game is Dan Lanning gambled. And this podcast is called Never Punt, Never Parlay. You know darn well you and I both appreciated what Dan Lanning was doing. Yeah, well, I think anyone who's kind of thinking about it critically there, like, would you rather the game be decided? Uh, so let's, let's assume that you don't trust your defensive backs at all and that um, you are going to give up points to Washington there and you're going to have to score again if they, if they score, right? Um, would you rather have a non-zero chance of keeping the ball or would you rather have a zero chance of keeping the ball? <laughs> Super easy. Next question, right? That's, that's, that's about the long and short of it. Uh, I, I didn't love some of their short field stuff. I feel like Nick, um, uh, Nick's try really kind of missed a couple, um, 
uh, maybe missed a couple of reads. I don't know. Something was off about a couple of short yards plays, but I like that Dan Lanning trusts the process there and, and Oregon's still in, in fine position to win Pac-12 to go to uh, playoff, you know, certainly, certainly a very complete team on, on both sides of the ball there. Um, speaking of complete teams and the exact opposite of complete teams, uh, I'm going to look at USC, which is perhaps one of the more incomplete asymmetrical teams that we've seen. We, we know, you know, Douglas, you've been saying you'll believe in the, uh, USC defense when when you see it, and uh, I I don't believe uh, that we're going to see anything different from this USC difference. There is no there is no next level. There is no improvement. They are who they are, and uh, it's kind of like an ontological question: Can God make a rock so big that He can't lift it? Can USC's defense dig a big enough hole that Caleb Williams can't get them out of it? Yes, yes, they can. We've seen evidence of that. Well, in this instance, Caleb Williams dug the hole that was too deep for him to get out of it. Going into this game, if you remember last week, all summer my lines were I'll believe in USC's defense when I see it, and I'll believe in Notre Dame's receivers when I see them. And last week we outlined a version where Notre Dame's running game would make it so we didn't see either. That's not what happened. Notre Dame's defense made it so we didn't see either. I still don't believe in USC's defense. It's tough to hold an offense in check when they get the ball the two-yard line, the 12-yard line, midfield, Two return touchdowns. Notre Dame's defense alone basically beat USC. And we didn't see Notre Dame's receivers. One explosive play. In the last four games, Notre Dame has totaled four plays of 30 yards or more. That's not good enough. So both of them still linger in that respect. The only real takeaway there was Notre Dame's defense showed up. Caleb Williams can be stopped, and Notre Dame's defense is that good. That's all I learned from that game. Yeah, absolutely. This game felt very similar to a Notre Dame game uh, from last year. I believe it was the BYU game where they had a couple um, a couple short fields, but then kicked field goals, and so they won. But it didn't look as um, as decisive here. They did they did score, and, and they twisted the knife, and that's what you like to see is finishing those drives in those positive situations from uh, from from Notre Dame there. Um, this Louisville loss. I love the I love the transitive property here. You can go further with this, but uh, FIU FIU has a transitive win over USC. You love to see it. Uh, the nation, the nation clamored for it, and we 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 needed it, and we got it. So uh, Louisville dropping a very winnable game to Pitt. Pitt doing Pitt things there. Uh, a little bit more in the Pac-12. Um, actually, no, I don't want to. I'm skipping this game. It's on our notes. Oh, come uh, on, it managed to my future, Parker. I don't want to talk about Colorado anymore. Um, it, it, I'm talking about a Stanford victory. I'm the guy sitting here with an <laughs> under two and a half wins ticket at plus 128. And I just saw Stanford come back from 29-0 at halftime. I may or may not know some people who bought Stanford Moneyline at halftime, came out very nicely. And I'm still very confident that Stanford does not cash that two, win, two and a half over. I'm going to come out ahead even with this upset. Yeah, well, look at I mean, looking at Stanford's schedule there, uh, I'm I'm really not sure that there were any wins. Like Colorado was probably the most certain here, but the stretch gets pretty brutal, um, and uh, they've got Cal down down the stretch. But Cal's looked a little feisty on offense, or excuse me, on defense, not on offense. Um, but it, it's very plausible that there's not a win there, especially with four, I believe it is. Yeah, counting four ranked teams, UCLA who just fell out of the rankings, and then and then Cal who's pretty stout on defense. It, it does not look good for Stanford. I don't have my exact number in front of me, but it's hard to imagine that that Cal has a single expected win when you add up the probabilities of, of all those games together uh, for the rest of the season. Um, uh, and speaking of other games, I really don't want to talk about, but uh, futures that are relevant to you. I was inevitable. Just nobody wants to beat Iowa. They're taking advantage of the last year of divisions. 
Um, they're an objectively bad team that just does not make mistakes. And that gets you a really, really long way when you're playing against other objectively bad teams who do make mistakes 15 to six. Uh, just just a beefy all-American corn-fed game there. You know, you say beefy, and I, knowing you, I know that's a positive adjective. You're meaning that as a compliment. Stop saying it about these Iowa football games. Stop saying about these Big Ten West miserable moments. This wasn't beefy. Beefy implies competence. Beefy implies some good old-fashioned moving the ball three yards in a cloud of dust. This was... I was punching the ball 6.6 times per game. They're averaging 20.9 points when their offensive coordinator supposedly needs to average 25. This isn't beefy. This is monetizing incompetence. Look, man, beefy can mean a lot of things, but I agree. It's it's certainly not the most aesthetic football uh, that, that we want to see. Uh, between the two, uh, <laughs> I had 37 passing yards, which is very funny. Um, it's it's worth noting that Wisconsin <laughs> – Wisconsin outgained Iowa by almost 100 yards and, and didn't even come close to, to doing anything resembling uh, trying to win that game. So uh, just just uh, just absolute absurdity over there. And uh, I'm sick of trying to uh, advocate for Iowa not being good anymore. I'm just enjoying the ride and saying they're funny. And when there aren't divisions anymore, it's not going to last. So uh, a lot, lot a lot of fun I, there. I think um, they, have, they have officially cost me my Wisconsin Big Ten West ticket. That was in a little bit of juice, minus 130. I felt <laughs> real good about us. Be, Beat Iowa. Beat. Score one touchdown. Score one touchdown, Wisconsin, and that's that's out the window. I have to just eat that one and move on. Uh, frustrating. Much of last week was frustrating, Parker. We went two and four, and I don't. Bad beats exist. Regression to the mean exists. I can very easily argue we should have gone four and two. You lost a weeknight game on a literal hail mary, and that's just a gut punch. I lost an Appalachian State cover when they fumbled a breakaway play. It wasn't going to be a touchdown because he got hit, but it was going to set them up to cover the game with just a few minutes left. Both of those felt real good in our pocket until they didn't. Yeah, hard to hard to really evaluate that. And looking at my weeknight uh, bets this year, you know, my two my two losses, I think just two now with this West Virginia game, maybe three, um, but involved a Hail Mary and then involved Dave Doran not scoring. So I can look at those two games and say, okay, Betting on Dave Doran on the road on a weeknight. Bad process. Don't like it. Not going to do it again. Uh, West Virginia had every spot here. Kind of kind of not a great, not great personal foul on Garrett Green that celebrating that I, I one, just don't categorically want called. But two, if we're categorically calling those, I don't even know what that was. I've seen a lot worse not get flagged. I've seen a lot worse pregame in Boulder not get flagged. And in fact, to get celebrated on ESPN. So uh, kind of annoying for that to happen. But those are the breaks. I can take solace in the fact that this season is kind of the first one in my uh, career um, where I do feel good about, hey, I've got about six games I can circle and be like, dang, those all went against me for the hook or for the for a late play like a, like a Hail Mary or a fumble. Um and, uh, and and it used to be those were my wins, and now those are my losses dragging me down. So I feel very good about uh, turning a corner there. And, and you know what? Some of that variance is just going to happen. Two and four, not terrible. Still floating uh, on the season overall. So feel pretty, pretty good uh, about that. Um, you hit a, hit a nail on the head with uh, we got North Carolina there. Again, is uh, uh, just kind of defying all odds and defying all expectations, playing okay enough defense that their offense is uh, is looking pretty good. They're they're looking real good, and and they won 41-31. I don't feel that game was even a 10-point game. I will go ahead and admit publicly I picked up a Drake May Heisman future uh, over the weekend just thinking Michael Penix is now too juiced. They, they, we know college football. It doesn't go one direction. 
and people who I think could mount a campaign on the back end. If North Carolina keeps winning, it's all because of Drake May. Tez Walker is going to create a storyline. We saw him shine against Miami. Miami's defense, while I laughed at it last weekend, and that's why I handicapped North Carolina, Miami's got a decent defense. For Tez Walker to shine like that, I think there's some Drake May value. I also saw North Carolina, North Carolina as a national champion at 75-1. to 1. That would simply be a Drake May type bet, betting Drake May to win the ACC and create value for you there. I'm not really going to advocate that one, but I did want to point out that Drake May, 18-1, to 1, Michael Penix is going to come back in some respect. This is media in 2023. He's got half a season left. He's got Utah left. At some point, he's going to throw two interceptions, and there's going to be some skepticism, and the people like Drake May or J.J. McCarthy or Dylan Gabriel will have value to come on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Some strategery there that, that can be taken uh, advantage of. Um, yeah, I'm looking at North Carolina's schedule. I mean, shoot, you gotta you gotta beat Duke, Clemson, and Florida State. Um, <clears throat> but so, in the Heisman conversation, you need those moments. Yep, got it. he's got it. He's got it cut out for him. Absolutely, especially if Washington were to have a stupid Pac-12 loss and uh, put them behind the eight ball. But uh, yeah, um, it's worth uh, yeah worth worth doing some calculation on there because sometimes those odds are just absolutely. Absurd. Um, will note, I believe that my Texas A&M to win the West uh, plus one sixty flyer is uh, was dead before the after the Alabama game. But if it was not dead after the Alabama game, whatever flicker of hope there might have been is certainly extinguished. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone, literally, literally anyone in the nation, uh, maybe in the history of college football, that has done less with more than Texas A&M. That's even accounting for the fact that their starting quarterback was hurt. I think Max Johnson is pretty good enough for them to have won Miami and Alabama and Tennessee games, and they are just determined to not do it. It is it is truly astounding. I realized what I think may be my greatest indictment of Texas A&M right now. Saturday, I'm sitting in the Notre Dame press box, and I'm sitting next to John Bryce of footballscoop.com. John is a, a born and bred Tennessee man. Texas A&M Tennessee is on in the press box. Even John doesn't care. Because that's how little anybody's thinking about AM. Like he had an eye on the score, but that's when I realized that this is a press box of a hundred college football nuts, and none of us really have any interest in AM Tennessee right now. And that, in my opinion, shows you just how far AM has fallen. They're hardly on the, the peripheral radar, if you will. Yeah, it's it's just it's just rough. And they've had those moments and they have every opportunity and they just uh they're just determined to go back to the Texas Bowl or something this year. Maybe they like it, who knows? Um, looking in really quickly, we both uh made some playoff picks and and, and talked about those. Uh to varying degrees, we're doing okay. Um again, these were not these were not, hey, what's our best, you know, best uh, odds of being the the best four, but these were, hey, here's the best value plays we think. So I had uh it was Texas, a it was yep. I, I had um, Texas, Alabama, Penn State, all three very much in play. Um, yes. Still absolutely there, uh, although Texas and Alabama a little bit more tenuous. Clemson, I'm going to say I feel pretty bad <laughs> about Clemson and their possibilities being four and two uh, and not having anyone having one to just 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 three. I guess if they make it to the ACC championship, they'll have three ranked teams left on the schedule. Um, they're going to have to win decisively and have some nonsense to happen. I'm going to go ahead and say Clemson's not going to make the college football playoff here. So RIP to the dream, another 10 and two and beat the heck out of somebody in a, in a, uh, in a mid-tier bowl. 
Wow, 10 and 2, you're already picking Clemson over Notre Dame. I will file that one away. <laughs> Remember that in a few weeks. I, I'm with you on Clemson out of the out of my playoff field. I also probably have to bite the bullet on LSU. I know some people are still trying to craft a, a path for LSU to make the playoff. Sure, they'd beat AM, Alabama, and Georgia, but I, I think there are too many good Pac-12 teams and too many good Big Ten teams. And even North Carolina, Florida State in, in the ACC, Duke in the ACC, you you need too much chaos elsewhere to argue for any two-loss conference champion this year. So I'm going to rule out LSU. That said, my playoff field included the two front runners, Michigan looking better and better, and they have a flexible pathway, as does Penn State, and Georgia. Brock Bowers is going to be out for a while, but I can make a pretty uh, pretty solid argument that's good for Georgia in the long run. Assuming he comes back in full health, uh, first weekend of November, uh, first weekend of December, excuse me, then them being forced to learn about their offense for a little bit could be a good thing. So I, I feel pretty good about two of my four. I'll, I'll take that. And and you've got those three. You could probably argue that odds wise, at least one of the three will get in, if not two of the three. Yeah, I think so. I think they're still alive, and we'll learn a lot about that Penn State when uh, this this weekend um, kind of transitioning over there. Big game. We'll talk about two of them. Uh, Penn State at Ohio State. That's minus four, and only a total of forty six and a half. We're looking at some. Uh, we're looking at some defenses here, and two teams that are really, really. Um, Good on the defensive side, but maybe uncertain and untested on the on the offensive side of things. More so for Penn State, Ohio State, maybe struggling, maybe a little lackluster there. Um, but really interested in this one. Uh, again, I, I think there's a lot of people that believe that Penn State has you know done as little as possible to win and is still one and potentially could roll out some more interesting offense. I did note about Penn State, um, the two of their top three targets are. Um, tight ends. And, uh, and I don't think long run, that's necessarily what they want. Uh, they want to be able to spread it out a little bit, but we're going to see who drew all our is this, uh, this weekend uh, for, for, for Penn state or excuse me for, yeah, for Penn state against Ohio state. Uh, Douglas, you got thoughts on this one? Well, I want to note that lot, that total fell a point today. I, I threw that on our, our running outline about 10 AM central today. It was 47 and a half right before the show. I noted it was down to 46 and a half. I'm torn. If I thinking that's, maybe some Ohio State injury news, or if it's just faith in the Penn State defense. Uh, both of those obviously lean toward Penn State, and that line has fallen from five and a half to four since Sunday. I, I am inclined to lean Penn State in this as long as I'm at four or better, in part because I Notre Dame's defense held Ohio State in check. And Notre Dame's defense didn't have to do anything extraordinary, just played really well. And I can make a uh, – I am convinced Penn State's defense is better than Notre Dame's. So that gets me pretty quickly to a Penn State plus four or better thought. Yeah, I, I like that um, a lot too. Not sure that Penn State can actually do it and get over the hump here, especially on the road, but should be a close game. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what Penn State can do at the receiver position if a second option kind of emerge and try to test this Ohio State defense. Or is it going to come back? You know, come down on uh, on two kind of unproven and uncertain quarterbacks who can step up most. That, that it, sometimes the handicap is as simple as that: which quarterback you think is going to play better. And uh, I think there's arguments in in both directions for that one. Another one that is um, no less of a rivalry than Penn State and Ohio State, but perhaps not going to be as close of a game here. Um, Duke and Florida State. 
currently Seminoles are uh, favored by 14, four and a half, or excuse me, 49 is the total. Of course, you can see on the screen right now, looking at uh, the, the uh, bet stamp screen here, a lot of, a lot of options. Uh, I think I'm seeing a 13 and a half for Florida State, and then maybe even an under 50 at Sugar House. Good old Sugar House, always having lines that intrigue me uh, every week. Douglas, what you got on Duke, Florida State here? Well, I, I was I made sure to check with you before the show. Uh, you're looking at numbers like SP Plus or some Parker Fleming numbers. If those numbers don't account for injuries, we, we always want to remind people of that. All of these numbers, whether they're yours or Bill Connolly's or anybody's in this respect, they don't account for injuries. So when you see they have Duke as a touchdown underdog, seven and a half point underdog, you have to remember that would be with Riley Leonard playing. Is he worth a touchdown to the spread? Yeah, probably is. But keep that in mind because I'm not convinced he's out this weekend. I uh, He wasn't ever really going to play this past weekend against North Carolina State. He came out in the field, walked around, but he was never uh, – it's three weeks, and he's a young man who's got some of the best medicine in the world working on him. I could see a version of a maybe less mobile Riley Leonard playing – and at that point, this line's going to fall off the two touchdowns. So I just want to remind people that power rankings, power ratings don't include injuries, and so you can use them to have an idea of the value of the player. A sneaky, tricky back-to-back -back here. They very, very, very much need him to keep their um, uh, hopes of the of an ACC championship alive, frankly. But at Florida State and then at Louisville, get a break for Wake Forest, and then at North Carolina. So tough, tough little stretch here for. Um, uh, for, for Duke, and we'll see if they try to ease him back in and see if he can get any action against Florida State or if they punt and say, you know, we just can't risk. We'd rather we'd rather have a, have a competitive chance against Louisville and North Carolina um, and, and seeing there. I certainly don't have any um, ear to the ground, uh, nose to the wind uh, about whether he's going to play, but I can understand that there is a strategic decision more so than a, than a physical limitation necessarily well, this weekend. The way you phrase that, when we see teams do that, the one that always comes to mind for me is Virginia, Notre Dame in 2021. Notre Dame was non-conference opponent. Virginia was still in the running to win the ACC. And Brennan Armstrong had a beat-up rib injury. And so he ended up sitting out that game because it was a non-con game. Virginia was out of any bigger conversations. Duke, I can argue, whether it's realistic or not, is very much in the playoff conversation right now. So they don't want to – if, if that is something that they're considering, if that is something that Mike Elko, a competitive man, is thinking, hey, I, I think we can sneak our way into the playoff, then they've got to risk uh, risk the ankle this weekend if it's even questionable. I don't think they're at a position yet where they can think only about the ACC. Yeah, that's fair. That's a nice position to be in for Mike Elko in year two over there at, uh, at Duke. Douglas, any other games you want to hit quickly before we go to our um... – well, we, Excuse me, we, had, we had the chameleon jump in the chat. We should tell folks, if you're here right now, first of all, the like, the rate, the review, the subscribe, all those things. If you're in the chat, I think the items are like and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening to us later, rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Remind the hammer that we do okay. Help out the Hate the Books HQ channel. We had the chameleon jump in the chat and ask if you think Utah will get to plus seven and a half. It's Utah at USC on Saturday night. Over here, I'm seeing sevens, a few six and a halves. I don't know that we get another hook on that just because while no team is as good or as bad as their most recent game, USC's most recent game was real bad, and I don't know how much public money is going to show up on that. It could keep this to a touchdown tops. 
Yeah, and I don't want to bet on Utah, especially in kind of the <laughs> spot here. I don't I don't like that at all. No, this is mm, I don't think it's gonna get there. And I'm not I don't want to bet on Utah's offense to do anything. Um yeah, yeah, gross. <laughs> but now Parker, uh, let's let's get to our bets. Let's get to where we are going to advocate for money this weekend, where we like things best. And true to Parker Fleming form, you don't care about that Houston Hail Mary. You're going back to the weekday well. Um, I am. I, I need to look at where we're going to start here. I don't have mine in order. Um, excuse Wednesday me. Night, uh, we're going to start with a Wednesday night play. Uh, I'm going to talk about New Mexico State at UTEP. Um, UTEP last week, uh, kind of a, a nice uh, unexpected uh, unexpected performance, but that doesn't really change aggregate performances overall. Uh, I've, got, I've got New Mexico State as a three-point favorite at UTEP on the road. This season uh, does not appear that going to El Paso is much of a um, feat for uh, a lot of folks and uh, are much of a hurdle. And uh, additionally, um, New Mexico State's not traveling very far there. New Mexico State's offense, 45th in EPA per play, 45th in EPA per pass. They're 17th in success rate. They move the ball consistently and often. Their one downside this season has been that defensive success rate. They're really allowing teams to move the ball extremely frequently. They're 110th in EPA, or excuse me, in success rate allowed on defense, 116th in success rate allowed uh, in the passing game. The good news for them is that UTEP does not move the ball well at all, 113th in passing success rate on offense. I don't see an avenue here for UTEP to uh, to move the ball consistently, and I don't see New Mexico State making some of the catastrophic errors that have uh, benefited UTEP Um in, uh, in this season so far. The other thing that stands out specifically, I think that'll determine the game, New Mexico State's been great on early downs. They've actually struggled in kind of those power situations, those third and four, uh, fourth down situations. They are fifth in early downs EPA. UTEP is 93rd in early downs EPA allowed. So uh, I like New Mexico State here. Going to ride with my boy Pavia again and, uh, and take them on the road at UTEP as a favorite. Uh, you know I hate this because I need UTEP to make up some ground in the Conference USA standings. One game behind Louisiana Tech, but since they lost the head-to-head, it's really two games. You know I hate this. You know I also can't disagree because I, more than most, know how bad UTEP is. I do want to give you a little hat tip there, doff the cap. Nobody is better at working in a subtle geography piece into a handicap than Parker Fleming. Cincinnati hasn't played at altitude in forever when they go to BYU. Or New Mexico State's not really traveling far because El Paso is basically in New I see you slide that right in there as you go through it, and it's true. It's it's what's nice about these two being conference foes. They are regional opponents as well. Conference USA covers most of the southern United States, but these two are neighbors. Lives up lives up to its name. Conference USA truly is across the uh, United States, and I do believe this is the hundredth battle of I ten. I want to say that's right. I will take your word for it. I did not look that serious history up this week. <laughs> um yeah so that's uh that that's that's my play here i think you can get that at uh, minus 110 at DraftKings and caesars that's a wednesday night game uh douglas in 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 uh no not not very different uh caliper of a game uh you got a little action for us um i do have a little action for us northern illinois upset ohio last week i had i backed ohio and so you'd think i would have learned from that and and look at northern illinois and think hey they're pretty good no i i firmly believe as i mentioned it earlier that no team is as good or as bad as their most recent performance northern illinois is not as good as they showed on saturday their number against eastern michigan this weekend opened at eight and spiked up to 12 and a half 
Now, here's where I'm going to take a quick detour. There's going to be weather in Northern Illinois this weekend in DeKalb. There's a, there's a website that I think launched this year. It's a group of meteorologists who actually realized they all like gambling on college football. So they combined their expertise with their interest. And if there's a Venn diagram we should pay attention to, it's weather experts talking about college football, better-weather.com. That's better with an O. And the one game they have highlighted this weekend right now to this point is this Eastern Michigan at Northern Illinois. Now, it's only Tuesday, so I'm not going to sit here and advocate for the under. I'm going to wait a day or two to see if anything changes. But if we're going to consider an under here, and this spread has jumped four and a half points to plus 12 and a half, I'm going to lean the underdog. Furthermore, Chris Creighton always just bet the underdog in any Chris Creighton game. I am on Eastern Michigan plus 12 and a half to neg 110, I believe, at bet MGM. It's a combination of fading Northern Illinois off a good game, trusting Chris Creighton always as an underdog, and looking at this game and thinking that total is going to fall. When the total falls and I have a two-possession underdog, that creates some value. Yeah, love it. Love the strategy there, and uh, I, I I like the trend. Chris Creighton uh, as as a dog is is hard to bet against here, and things get messy. That's only going to favor the underdog. Um, I'm going to go a little more chalky for my second play here. I'm going to take it's still an SEC still. matchup. It's still a little off here, but we're gonna, we're going to go talk to uh, Missouri and uh, and South Carolina this weekend. Um, South Carolina travels from. Uh, Columbia to Columbia. Am I correct on that? Columbus, maybe. Um, and, uh, and so uh, an interesting matchup here, South Carolina kind of heartbroken against Florida last week uh, was up with five minutes left and, and just kind of let Graham Mertz um, take over and really kind of dominate them. That's, that's part of my handicap here. Luther Burden and Theo Wies combined for 58.7% of targets. Um, and South Carolina's coverage has looked pretty bad at times. Uh, you know, 55.7 against Mississippi State, 50.5 PFF grade against Florida last week. And I don't know that either of those teams, even Tennessee that they had in between those two games, have the caliber of dude uh, and the caliber of attention that is required to defend both Luther Burden and the Elise. Brady Cook has been fine and consistent, and that is all we can ask out of Brady Cook. Dang it. Uh, I, I feel like South Carolina really struggles to move the ball um, consistently on offense, they're only 28th in EPA per play, and they're 91st in defensive EPA per play allowed. That Beamer ball is, is a little bit harder to do when you're not good at the down-and-out business of moving football, and South Carolina really has struggled with that. So I'm going to go Missouri and take the athleticism on the outside to exploit the South Carolina defense to make Spencer Rattler have to feel like he has to make a lot of hero throws, which is only going to make him a little bit more erratic. Uh, and so I'll take Missouri as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, minus 110 at, uh, at FanDuel, I believe you you're being too humble, so I'm going to go ahead and trumpet you on your behalf. Missouri is 6-1. and one. one Parker Fleming holds a Missouri win total future of over six wins at only neg 115 juice. You are not only betting on Missouri to win this game by a touchdown, you are betting on Missouri to cash your win ticket halfway through October. You love to see those things line up. Yeah, would be would be nice. Um, got a clear a clear battle for number two in the East there, but uh, yeah, I like to see I like to see the narratives come together. I like to see uh, some some confidence in the preseason rewarded, and we're certainly sitting pretty with that ticket right now. Will be interesting to see how they. Um, I feel like this in the Kentucky game is kind of you know are, are are they real? Is this just hey the fluke or anything? And, and we're gonna get a lot of questions here. If they can take care of South Carolina, we're feeling pretty good about Missouri being a real team. 
Uh, your second play this week, also back in the Power Five, what you got? It's not necessarily a real team, but it is a team looking for bowl eligibility. If you remember last week toward the end of the show, somebody asked us Rutgers, I think it was a five and a half point edge against Indiana and I against Michigan State. And I said the piece of Michigan State to exploit is their pass defense. Rutgers doesn't have a great passing attack. I'm staying off Rutgers. That lined up perfectly. And I'm going to stick with that train of thought that Rutgers doesn't have a great passing attack and take Rutgers at Indiana. Indiana's strength is their defensive front. And I'm using the word strength charitably. Rutgers, we know Rutgers is physical and competent. They're going to be able to keep that Indiana defensive line in check, get enough positive yardage to put up enough points to win this game by four and a half. I use offense is top 30 in rush rate over expected, but bottom five in rushing success rate. That's a really bad combination to put together. If you're going to run the ball that often, you'd like to, I don't know, succeed on occasion. And now they're going against this physical, competent Rutgers team. Rutgers has a chance here to get their sixth win before the grueling end of their season. Big 10 stretch shows up. They're going to know that these players are not stupid. They know what they are. They know this is their chance to make a bowl game. They're going to show up motivated in Bloomington, which is turning sour on Tom Allen and out physical Indiana pretty quickly. I've got that at neg four and a half. They'll put neg one thirteen at sugar house and bet rivers last I checked. And here's where I'm going to sit here and always advocate for, Oh, we've got a neg one twelve at Betway. Thank you. Producer uh, I'm blanking on our producer this week. Jason's, Jason's here today. Thank you, producer Jason. We're in a little bit of a transition there. Thank you, Parker. Thank you, producer Jason. This is where we always advocate to shop. The easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. We recommend using an odds comparison tool like BetStamp. It compares the odds across every sports book for these games. You just saw Jason find that neg 112 for me. Saves you time and money by checking BetStamp before you buy bet. Download the app today. Check out the offers in the link in the comments, the show description, betstamp.app slash hit the books. Help us out. It doesn't cost you anything. Makes your life easier. I will gladly take a neg four and a half compared to a neg five or a neg five and a half every day of the week and three times on Tuesday. I love it. Yep. Shopping certainly matters here. And that's, that's half the game, honestly, is just making sure you get the best line that's out there. Um, I'm going to take for my third pick back to the uh, back out to the mountain West. Let's talk a little UNLV and Colorado state, Colorado state last week, big win over Boise, huge implications for Colorado state over four and a half, which is uh, always, always fun to, uh, to have that win. But uh, if we're talking about team strength here, I think we're in a spot where Colorado state is going to be, outmatched. Boise, uh, kind of a fluky win for Colorado State, but still a win nonetheless. But before that, lost to U.S., uh, excuse me, lost to Utah State, uh, has an FCS win, has a Middle Tennessee State win. So rumors of, uh, of Colorado State kind of getting things going, I think, might be a little bit overstated. On the other hand, UNLV has scored 40 points in their last five games since getting uh, just trounced by Michigan. And who among us has not gotten trounced by Michigan before going off to score 40 points here. Um, what I really think is interesting about this is that uh, UNLV's issue kind of has been run defense. They've allowed 221.5 yards per game in the rush. They're 66th in EPA per rush allowed, 63rd in rushing success rate allowed. Guess what Colorado State is uninterested in doing? Rushing. So not only do they um, get a little benefit UNLV on the weaker side of things on that defense it, by not facing a strong rushing attack, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, they'll actually be able to devote more resources from the rushing attack to the passing attack. Um, and, and that should really, really help 
stymie this Colorado State offense, uh, 91st in EPA per play for the Rams there. On the other side of the ball, UNLV's offense is really clicking, like I mentioned, for uh, four straight games of over 40. We're looking for a fifth year. Uh, they're 52.0% on third and fourth downs. That's 11th in the nation compared to Colorado State's defense, which is 96th in the nation. So a lot of opportunities for UNLV to clean up, even if they can't get there on first and second downs. Uh, I like them here by by um, almost, almost double digits, according to my number. So uh, that's a uh, minus 110 at BetGM and FanDuel. You can get UNLV minus seven and a half. I'm going to go ahead and lock that one up um, for this week. I, I'm being told Douglas that's on the Mountain West Network. And I got to say, I, I'm going to have to Google how to get on the Mountain West Network. I, uh, I want to make checking. I have two notes on this, and that's one of them. First of all, I want to point out UNLV is 6-0 against the spread this year, and they're not doing it by a little. UNLV has beaten the spread by more than 12 points per game on this season. Uh, bookmakers are struggling to catch up to this team. At some point, that will happen, but it, it hasn't shown that way yet. And then my second point is, Parker, you are so sicko this week. You are taking a game that is not on television. The Mountain West Network, to my understanding, is on the conference website. Maybe there are some like Rocky Mountain TV partners that have it. You will be going to the Mountain West Conference website to watch this game. That is that is a real uh, Parker Fleming choice. I'm almost positive that my freshman year when TC was in the Mountain West, um, you could get Mountain West Network not on cable locally. No cable. Probably like you had to pay a ton to get it. Nobody could get it. But you got it in the dorms. And so like – People would come to the dorms to watch it because you got the Mountain West Network there because you couldn't figure out how to watch the games. I remember, uh, um, yeah, a couple of games like that. So, um, all right, you've got one more play here as we're kind of cruising along, doing great on time. What do you? Uh, what's your? What's your third play? Uh, my game well, is yeah. on. My game is on the very traditional television channel, the NFL Network. <laughs> I am taking Appalachian State at Old Dominion on the NFL Network Saturday night. And what is the old what is the old Einstein definition of insanity to, to do the same thing and expect a different result? Call me insane. Appalachian State is three and three. It should be five and one. It could be six and zero. Oh. Those three losses were a blocked field goal at Wyoming, overtime at North Carolina, and a fumble last week on a 69-yard completion in the final five minutes to get into cover range and fumble before you're taken down. And that leads to Coastal Carolina going the other way for the game-winning field goal. Those three, it's it's frustrating, and you can say it's a team not knowing how to win. I'm going to say it's bad luck, and it's time for it to regress. Old Dominion is in the, is a bottom third. It, it succeeds on offense, gets scoring opportunities on offense on about a third of its possessions. That's bottom 20 in the country. Appalachian State's defense allows scoring opportunities about a third of the time. That's top third of the country. So putting those two together, I'm not expecting much from Old Dominion on Saturday night. So I'm getting six points. This game is at six, I believe, if I'm looking at this correctly. Yes, I'm getting this at six points with a team that is is struggling to close games, but I'm banking on regression, and their defense should be the dif differentiating factor against Old Dominion. Maybe I'm a masochist, but I will take the pain. I'm a glutton for punishment, whatever. I'm back in Appalachian State one more time. I like it. Going back to the well there, this is a good spot for them. And uh, a little bit of positive regression in terms of luck after uh, after a little little rough little rough one last weekend that they should have been uh, okay with. Um, Douglas, that concludes all of our picks. I think we've got all three of them. Um, thanks to everybody who listened. Let's recap those real quick, and then we will 
uh, do our housekeeping and get out of here. Douglas, I'm going to go with New Mexico State minus three, Missouri minus six and a half, and UNLV minus 7.5. Those are um, those are my plays for this week. What about you? <clears throat> You're taking those three favorites. I am also taking two favorites, Rutgers four and a half, Appalachian State by six, and then I've got an underdog of Eastern Michigan plus 12 and a half. That's a bit of a weather play. I will say we had Gabe Hernandez hop in the comments and ask how we feel about Penn State. Gabe, I assume you showed up late. If you go back to about the middle of the show, we previewed the week. Parker and I both lean Penn State. Neither of us is playing it. And then we had a question about North Texas. I've got no North Texas two-lane thoughts. Sorry about that, Luke. I have absolutely no ideas there. We appreciate you all hopping in the chat. Rate, review, subscribe, like, et cetera, whatever verbs I'm forgetting. And I think that's about it, Parker. I, I think that's about it as well. Make sure you subscribe, like the channel, check out the other great stuff on the Hammer HQ. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time.